Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Why we play on Prime Time that week? <laughs> I didn't even know that. Amazon Prime. Are we play on Amazon Prime? What <laughs> oh, That's going to be lit right there. I didn't even know that for real. But, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Who we play? Looking forward to the challenge. It's going to be fun, you know. And I can't wait to go against Eli Apple, man. I owe you, boy. I owe you. I'm here. The cheetah is here. That's it. It's kind of you, you come to one of us, you come to all of us. Um, but we, we, we don't need to do no talking. But we, we got a job that we got to do on Thursday. And, you know, we, we feel like they're, they're in our way. So we just got to go out there and uh, try to win. Whoa. That was actually Mike Hilton responding to Tyreek Hill, not Eli Apple. Eli Apple had nothing to say. I remember when I saw the video of Tyreek Hill at his locker after the win over the Bills and being informed that they play on Thursday night. It's amazing how players just don't even know what the schedule is. They just don't. They show up. They do what they're instructed to do. They play their game. Oh, when's our next game? Oh, Thursday night. Oh, we got a short week. Oh, we're in primetime. Oh, we're on TV. Oh, we're playing the Bengals. And then he slips into almost like a pro wrestling. Yeah, vibe. that's what it was, right? He was kind of having fun, I think, really. But yeah, yeah, go ahead, right? But but I just I just thought it was all goofy. Yeah, and I think it is goofy. I, I like a good feud. I like it when there's some chatter, but when it feels contrived, when it feels forced. And again, it's not like, and I've said this from time to time, Chris. Revenge is a weird concept. What's he getting revenge on Eli Apple for? Eli Apple did his job. He tackled him in a football game. He didn't stomp on him after he tackled him. He didn't hit him with his own helmet. He didn't do anything other than his job. This was at the tail end of the first half of the AFC Championship game. Chiefs getting greedy up 21 to 10. They throw the little swing pass. It's really more like a lateral. And, And Tyreek Hill doesn't get to the end zone because... The X did the job he was supposed to do on the O. Is that nothing personal? I know. It was is stupid. That what it's this just is stupid about? to be upset about. Yeah, it. I, yes. Right. Right. I, I didn't even realize all that. Yeah. I don't think he's. I don't think he's genuinely upset. That's why he was kind of having fun. I mean, gosh. Yeah. It was a 
tough situation. Great open field tackle and a guy that we know is tough to tackle in those situations, but he didn't like he didn't like boast or, or flaunt himself in front of Tyree Kill or do anything disrespectful. So I think that's why it's it's one of those things where, hey, Tyree Kill probably would have liked to gone off on that game a little bit more, but he's just having fun on a Thursday night. And you're right, Mike, a lot of guys like I would say out of the locker room, out of the 53 guys that are in there, it's it's like half of them know the next week or two schedule. The other half, they're just kind of being told as they go, and they're focused on what they got to do that week, and then they you know move on to the next week after that. Well, and it's funny because the longer that I do this, yeah, the more I'm that way too. Where I can't tell you what the game is, like unless there's a big one that we know about that we're anticipating, but. It's all we can do to focus on what's in front of us. We can't worry about the next train that's next week. We can't worry about the one after yeah. that. We have our hands full with everything that's going on right now, and that's fun. And you get fully immersed in it. You don't want to overlook anything now because you're spending some of your capacity thinking two, three, four, five, six, ten weeks ahead. So well, anyway, for the next two you. hours, well, think of the next two hours ahead. Yeah. Let me just let me just tell everybody what they have tripped over cool. if they happen to be listening on Peacock or Sirius XM eighty five or Sky Sports NFL taped late or a podcast. Although if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably not doing it accidentally. We're PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at Google Store dot com there now we get paid so we can talk about whatever we want for the next two hours what what, what is, why is eli apple always that guy that like seems to be jumped on or whatever right well what is why, why what is it is it go back to his early years of the giants and he just became an easy guy to jump on what i just feel like no matter what the super bowl you know people getting on him about that and yeah oh whoa cooper cup got open I mean, it barely got open. He actually covered him pretty well. It's, I like, I you know, again, it's disrespectful at times. It's like a badge of honor the fact that they trusted him on an island versus Cooper Cup in that situation. Yeah, he didn't come through. It's hard to to play that position in the NFL right now. But man, it, oh, I, I, like I here's what I think. Yeah, here's what but, I think. Yeah. Here's what I and, and I and I say this, even, geez, almost. 27 years after she died as a card-carrying mama's boy. Yeah, I'm a mama's boy. I think boy. he came into the NFL right. as a mama's boy. Yeah. With his mom becoming like a social media Sticking up minor there and all celebrity that. and yeah. had a thing with ESPN, I think, early on. Right. Like, and and yeah. And I think that, that that just, you know, that that's hard to pull off when you're a professional athlete. Because you're going to have all these other guys that are going to use anything they can against you, and I think that that's where it all started. I yeah. really do. I, I I think you're probably right. I, I wanted to, uh, that's where my mind went. I just you know I wanted to hear you say it too. So all right, we're on the same page there. But I, you wanted I me to say it first. Well, no, I just wanted to know. I wanted to like hear you without me saying it. Thinking like, am I right to think that or? You know, I just uh, that that's really where I was getting at. And you know, you know me, I'm not as scared to say anything. What I do want to know about is. Oh, your little backyotomy. How's your back? I don't want to talk about it. Oh, I heard you complain. Yeah, I heard you complain, moaning like an old man when you're sitting down. Look at you sitting up. You're hold- what are you holding yourself up with your hands right now? <laughs> I'm trying to get comfortable. I'm trying to get comfortable. I went to physical therapy yesterday and I and I thought it worked. Yeah. My SI joint is out of alignment. It was put back in alignment, but the muscles that were working to protect the affected area are still spasming. Right. I don't know. Right. 
it still hurts like hell. And I've got exercises I've been trying to do repeatedly. And I, and I think one of the reasons why it's kind of like a mental thing where I thought it was going to start getting better. So maybe it feels even worse today because I allowed myself to think that the worst of it was over, but I'm just very uncomfortable today. And I can't imagine two hours of this show and then the joint mega picks podcast, at least I have an hour in between, but it's going to take me every second of that hour just to walk downstairs, turn around and walk back up. So I may just stay in this chair and wait for you for an hour after we're done, but I can get comfortable eventually, but then I start moving around, and it's just like there's a knife right there. Anybody that's dealt with this, it can, it is, it is debilitating. Like to get into the shower, yeah. And I can't imagine being old. I mean, I know I'm old, but I'm talking about like 85, 90. Like I know why people get those showers installed where they walk right in. Like I'm standing there looking at the the ledge where the tub is, where you got to swing your foot over. Left foot, no problem. Right foot, it's like, all right, when do I want to deal with this searing pain that I'm going to experience when I try to lift my leg up to get into the shower? And there's a point where you just got to do it. And you, you know it's going to hurt like hell. You, and getting out, my foot got stuck. Well, it's yeah. Like, I just have to deal with this. Wait, in, in the King of the Castle, Chateau de Florio? Shut up. You're shut stepping up. over a damn bathtub still like it's a 1974 yeah. shower? That's what you're doing? You know why? Why? You know why? Why? You know why? Because because I've been exiled from the nice bathroom because <laughs> I don't get to use it anymore. Yes, because I get up too early. Way to go, Jill! The shower's on. Woo, woo, the shower's woo, woo. on. It might wait. It might wake somebody up, so I don't get to use that bathroom anymore. So there's this big giant bathroom that I never go in anymore. <laughs> and as it. Johnny Cash once said, right. the key to a happy marriage is separate bathrooms. So I get one of the B level or maybe C level bathrooms. And because my office is a bedroom that we made into an office, so it had a bathroom connected to it. But, yeah, I get one of the guest size bathrooms, not the big giant walk into the shower that I never see. I think it's still there. I don't know. I haven't seen it in seven years. Maybe it's gone. Maybe it's been remodeled. I have no idea. I'm not allowed in there. So don't get me started on that. Maybe I should ask for a temporary dispensation so I don't have to (laughs) climb over the – Anyway, um, God, why did you even mention it? All right, uh, let's talk about fun. football. Okay, let's, let's get go. through this. All right, uh, here we go. The Dolphins and the Bengals. First meeting ever in the NFL between Cincinnati quarterback Joe Burrow and Miami quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. He's officially listed as questionable with back and ankle injuries. He is reportedly expected to play. I know this. If I was supposed to play tonight, I wouldn't be with my back injury. I'd still be in Miami I would not even have gotten on the plane but two is going to fight through it they were both picked the same year in the top five remember that was a year that Tua was expected to be the number one pick tank for Tua and all of that he suffered the broken hip in November and only fell to five which is amazing when you think about it Dolphins fans before this year would have said I wish he'd fallen to six and we'd taken Justin Herbert but for now the Dolphins fans are all in with Tua but uh they 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 look Burrow's had more success, but right now, two is the flavor of the month. Two is the guy who's getting it done. Two is the guy whose team is 3-0, and and he's finally starting to live up to the potential that was seen in him entering the NFL, Chris. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's got it going, certainly. You know, Has he answered all questions? No, he hasn't. Not for me, but 
uh, still it's a positive. And I think, again, it shows you what, how important it is to have talent and a system that fits you as a player around you so then you can start to show you know, what you can actually deliver for the football team at the quarterback position. So that's what's happened to Tua, and he's done a great job. He really has. I mean, he, he's had limited mistakes that he's made for the most part. You know, he's made some big plays in some big moments and, you know, managed the game when he's had to, too. So it's, uh, it's definitely been a positive for Tua. We'll, we'll see where it goes. This is going to be another challenge tonight. You know, I'm still a little bit like I feel like as the week's gone on, it's almost gotten a little worse here. You know, it wasn't it wasn't questionable on Tuesday, was it? Or it was just I guess there was just talk. We didn't really no. No. He didn't, he didn't practice on Monday, right. but they didn't have a practice. They have those weird Monday practice right. reports where we didn't practice, but if we would have practiced, he wouldn't have practiced. Yes. And then Tuesday, he was limited. Wednesday is the day that the label gets applied yeah, when yeah. it's a Thursday game. Right. So questionable was the label, but he traveled and he's reportedly going to play. I mean, questionable, it's, it's it's don't get me started on the whole labeling thing because doubtful rarely gets used. And and a lot of times guys who are questionable don't play. Well, if they were questionable, they didn't play. Maybe they should have been, been doubtful. doubtful. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it, I think the teams just treat it as questionable or out. And they use that questionable label as a strategic thing for a team that goes on the road. For example, when there are their group of questionable guys, and sometimes there's none, but sometimes there's six or seven, like half of them won't travel. And they knew they weren't going to travel, right? But they just strung it along as as deep into the week as they could, and then they just said, "Well, they're not traveling, so now they're downgraded out." And they, well, why weren't they doubtful? But they, they, the, the injury report, the NFL injury report, is almost worthless. It really is almost worthless. Um, and there are teams out there that use it for a strategic advantage. Bottom line is they expect Tua to play. Back when they were in college, they played one time. LSU beat Alabama in 2019. That was the year that LSU won the national championship, and Joe Burrow came out of nowhere and became one of the great players we've ever seen in college football. Burrow had 393 passing yards that game. Tua had 418 and four touchdowns with a pick. But again, LSU won the game 46-41. What a barn burner that was. Yeah, it was. I'd like a few more NFL games like that. I mean, we've had some low-ass scoring games so far this year. I like it. I'd like a 46-41 tonight. Uh, Yeah, I mean, with this group here, I mean, who knows? It it could. I don't expect that. But, I mean, we're going to – the thing that's awesome tonight is, yeah, you got a hot quarterback in Tua. We got a Bengals team that's still still sitting here at one and two. So – they're they're you know still hungry, angry, backed into a corner. The Dolphins got the chest chest puffed out. Like, hey, wait, we're a real deal. We could be the Bengals of this year that you know jumps into the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl. And then I think when you just talk about the firepowers in the matchup, how can you not be excited about that? You know, firepower and you know two defensive coaches that are pretty creative and take some chances at times too to where. You know, I, I could see this game going a few different ways. I could see it being 20 to 17 and the, the defense coordinators have a good plan to stop things. I could see I could see it just the other way, too. And maybe you get your LSU Alabama where the defense coordinators are a little too aggressive or try to aggressively take something away. And all of a sudden, boom, there's Jalen Waddle or boom, there's Jamar Chase versus the all out blitz against the Miami Dolphins. So uh, that, that's what I'm excited for tonight. I mean, this, this is a good one. This really is, and uh, I hope Tua does play. I want to see him out there. I want to see the Dolphins at their best, and um, you know, I think the Bengals are still a good football team. They're, 
you know, still got to figure out pass protection. There's no question about that. That's an issue here. Uh, but, but at the same time, I, other than that, I still am a believer in the Bengals and everything else they do. I know that nothing changes the fact that this is a Thursday night short week game and we have to accept it. We have to live with it. And on one hand, hey, we get a great matchup in primetime we can watch. However, it's hard not to kind of wish that this was a Sunday night or a Monday night game so the teams had more time to get ready. for. Yeah, it's one of those. It is. And especially from the injury standpoint. Right. And, And this gets back to a point you've made a couple of times recently. Injury rates during the game are one thing. Players having enough time to get ready to play after only three days off, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, is another thing. Exactly. You, ha- you may right. have a guy that if he had that few extra days, he'd be able to go on Sunday or Monday. But I don't know. I, I assume that having less time to get ready probably will keep the scoring down. But who knows? Who knows? We've seen some high-scoring games on Thursday. Now, you just never know what's going to happen. I'm hoping that we have a high-scoring, exciting game tonight. I just It flashed through my brain, does this short week – affect that do you think the short week keeps the scoring down or it may not matter at the end of the day I think that uh, it's really I'm, I'm I'm very conflicted with with that altogether uh because you're right I mean it's something we talk about quite often where what I think the biggest problem for me is defenses who are creative lose that extra day or two to go oh you know when when I was watching film on you know, Wednesday night, right? Because you're not going to make changes to your game plan now and do stuff. You might, like, add one little thing here or there. But I'm watching film Wednesday night or Thursday night, have it be. You know, oh, I, you know, I noticed this, and we, we, we put a little package together when they get in this formation and do this, and we'll do that. So that's where, that's where you lose a little bit of the, you know, tricks that the coaches can bring to the table as the week kind of flushes out that way. That's where it stinks, but I, I don't know how I feel about the lack of uh, time here to prepare. I really feel like it could go either way. I think ultimately it's going to end up in low scoring, though. If you made me like bet and you put a gun to my head, all right, I would probably go. It won't be forty to thirty-seven. It'll be somewhere in that you know low twenties range because I think what happens too is the defensive coordinator who might have took a chance as the week went on and oh wait I think I got something here and I can take a chance here they're not going to get the chance to implement that and they're just going to you know we'll play it safe here we'll we'll get them they might get the six yard completion okay but I'm not going to go you know for the for the the throat stomp right here in this moment to make that play and and I think that could lead to maybe conservative defense and a little lower scoring. 47 and a half is the over under. I yeah. think one thing that would contribute to high scoring from the Dolphins is you get to a point where you throw the game plan out the window and you use the, as Mike McDaniel explained it to Peter King after they came back and beat the Ravens down 21 points in the fourth quarter, the effort plays. Just go, let your playmakers make plays. Forget about all that stuff you obsess over. Kind of like what Jameis Winston told me after they came back to beat the Falcons week one. Forget about what we expect them to do to stop us, what we've been planning to do yeah. to exploit their weaknesses, and just go play. And when you look at it that way, the Dolphins got some guys that can make plays. Now, Jalen Waddle, star receiver, also questionable for tonight with a groin injury. I haven't seen a report one way or the other as to whether or not he'll play. I assume he'll do everything in his power to get on the field and play. Tyree Kill has been very good. Waddle actually has more receiving yards by 25. He's got 342 through three games. Hill has 317. And, and, and yeah, it, it could, you, you know, if you, if you don't have a plan, 
for neutralizing those guys, and they just decide we're getting the ball in their hands no matter what, um, and Tua can move around like we've seen him do, it, it could it could end up with a lot of points for the Dolphins, where the Bengals would have to start matching them drive for drive, Chris. Well, it, it could. I think there's a, you know, when you when you break down the, the Dolphins offense, all right, week one was pretty good, right? Solid. All right, they, they, Tua had pretty good numbers. I think he threw for like 270, somewhere in that range. But the offense only scored 13 points. Week two, we know we had the late third quarter, fourth quarter explosion, right? That was awesome. Last week was somewhere in between a little bit. I mean, it really, they only drove the ball. They only had two drives the whole game. The, other, the rest of the game was three and out. Can't even get out, out of our own, you know, side of the field as far as getting on the other side of the 50-yard line. You know, it was ugly. So that's where, you know, I'm interested as we go on, what does Mike McDaniel continue to bring to the table that stresses defenses out? The one thing that hurts them right now is they can't run the football. You know, their offensive line just not dominant enough to, to move people out of the way and, you know, dominate in the run game, I think, like Mike McDaniel would want. And the, 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 the Bengals have a very good defense in general. That's one thing that's been lost in the shuffle here with them being one and two. They're kicking butt. And they're creative on that side of the ball, too. Now, they don't have DJ Reader. That stinks for them. But I still can't imagine my, you know, Cincinnati uh, being run on a whole lot tonight. You know, I do think this would be a game where Tua, the passing game, they might have to carry the, you know, the load here for the football team. And we'll see where that goes because that's, that's going to be dangerous, too. The Bengals are loaded on defense. They got good pass rushers. You know, they're good in the secondary. And Lou Anarumo, their defensive coordinator, he's creative. So that's where it's hard to get a feel for how this game can go. But ultimately, yeah, I think that this is going to be um, – I think it's going to be in those mid-20s, I think, when I when it's all said and done. I do. And uh, I'm excited just to see the Dolphins – like. I know the Dolphins are dangerous and explosive. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, I know I'm probably in the minority in this comment. I'm just not sold that they're this just unbelievable, unstoppable offense yet. I'm not. One thing we know, all right, right now with the Dolphins and what they've done, hey, they're, they can make some plays, and there's no doubt they're explosive that way. Are they consistently explosive? Can they just put together drive after drive after drive? And the one game they did that, it's against the worst defense in football. The Ravens stink on defense. That's right. I don't think everybody's realized that yet either because we're supposed to use to the Ravens' defense. That's what they are. They're the worst defense in football. And it's not like, oh, maybe they're not. They're, they're really up there in that conversation. They can't rush the passer. They can't stop the run. They're letting up plays against everybody. And uh, that's where I'm a little still like, is Miami just this unstoppable machine or have things just fallen right for them a little bit, even with the Bills with all the injuries on the defensive side of the ball? Well, look, they've pulled inside straight two straight weeks. They were down 21 points in the fourth quarter against the Ravens, and that's when they slipped into effort mode and just went out and played backyard football, and the Ravens' defense wasn't ready to engage them, wasn't ready to cover their right. most Had dangerous weapons, mistakes. and it all, yeah, it all right. disappeared. Right. And with the Bills, you play that game 10 times, the Bills are winning it, Eight or nine. That's what it felt like, right? They just right? are. Yeah. They just are. Right. They dominated. Especially they, healthy. And, and and so, as I've been this week doing radio spots, and I like doing radio spots throughout the country because you get an idea of what people are talking about, what they're focused on. You know, 
And it, it's hard not to become a prisoner of the moment. Yes. I do it. Everybody does it. That's what I'm saying. Because we only have right. so much to go on. Right. And they're 3-0. and That doesn't mean they're going to be 17-0. and The 72 Dolphins don't have to worry about the 2022 Dolphins. The 50th anniversary of the 72 Dolphins is not going to result in the Miami Dolphins going undefeated. They are not dominating the way the Bills were week one and week two. That's what made the loss so stunning yeah. for the Bills and probably contributed to Ken Dorsey, blow, uh, Dorsey blowing a gasket <laughs> after the loss because, you know, they're supposed to show up and win. Yeah. And when you look at the numbers, 90 plays to 39, 500 yards almost to 200 and change, 40-plus minutes of possession versus under 20 minutes. How did we lose this game? Right. And we went through it yesterday. Yeah. This happened, 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 and those things flip. And the Bills win the game. So I agree with you. I think the Bengals are going to win tonight. I know I'm getting ahead of myself yeah. because we got our picks podcast I'm leaning coming up that later. way too, Mike. But, you know, the Bengals have had one home game. They, they could have beaten slash should have beaten the Steelers week one, could have beaten slash should have beaten the Cowboys week two, beat the Jets fairly handily. And there's a big difference between two and two and one and three. Yeah. So when you – There's desperation I mean, they, there. Look, yeah. these teams are also closely packed. I just think you throw in prime time, Bengals at home, Dolphins have to travel. Dolphins went through that hot game on Sunday. I mean, even though they're in better shape, obviously, than the Bills players, they still had to go through that game. And they may be thinking at some level, you know, we've stolen a couple here. You know, maybe we're due. May, may, you know, we just can't, we can't keep rolling the dice and having them come up snake eyes whenever snake eyes is good. It's not going to last. And the Bengals are, are dealing with a very good Ravens team, despite the defense, a Browns team that is very good, and a Steelers team that's already beaten them. So they can't slip to one and three. So I think there's an urgency that's going to come I would agree with you focus there. tonight for the Bengals. Um, let's hear from Mike McDaniel, the coach of the Miami Dolphins, on facing Joe Burrow, the guy who we've kind of forgotten this year because the Bengals haven't had that same swagger on the field yet in 2022. From coming off the bus, I see swag. And then on the field, which, well, yeah, I, I, I have a, a sound place in my heart for that. Um, but he, yeah, he's a, you really, really like, I don't know, I appreciate guys that, you know, you're the number one pick in the draft. That is a burden for some. Um, it was a blessing for him, and I really respect guys that come out um, take all that hype and um, do justice by it or exceed it, you know? So the guy has great um, uh, vision and awareness. Um, he's very mo mobile, both within uh, the pocket, staying a passer and escaping to, to run. Um, great touch, uh, great accuracy. Um, he does – and. He, he really not only makes plays for um, their offense, but he helps other players make plays because of his ball location. So. I can't help but wonder as I listen to the front part of that about swag, if he's trying to maybe convince Tua to get a to little, be a little more like, yeah, be a little more like that and have a little more of that aura because, hey, Tua was a fifth overall pick. Yeah. You know? Sometimes you just got to act like you're the man. You have it yeah. and and 
acting that way may translate into people thinking it and you no going doubt. out and doing it. No doubt. You're, you're right about that. I mean, Joe Burrow, he just he exudes it. He does. And, it, and it's not an in-your-face, cocky way about it. It's just like he believes in himself, and you can see he believes in himself, and you could see the players are also in that boat with him, and you know that's what's special about him. I think it's, it's the biggest reason. I don't think the Bengals are panicked because they're just like, well, we got nine. And we got number one there. And, you know, well, this O-line, it's new, and they'll get it figured out. But with number nine, he'll, he'll, he'll make it happen. And, you know, that's, that's where I'm excited. You know, we, that's, I'm excited about this side of the ball and this matchup right here. You know, you know, we talk about, hey, the Dolphins, and I know the Mike McDaniel offense, and we'll see where it goes. And uh, it's, it's, you know, we'll see as teams gather more information on it and break it down and all that. We'll see where that goes. But to me, this, this side of the ball, when Burrow has the ball, is the key to the game. It is the key to the game, in my, in my opinion, Mike. And, and, and for the big reason of we know the Dolphins' defense is thriving on making plays, you know, making a play that kind of changes the football game. And they've done that in two out of the three games. And that's something tonight where Joe Burrow, no pass protection, Dolphins with all these blitzes and everything they do, you know, one strip sack fumble, one, oh, I'm getting hit as I throw, and the ball flies up in the air, and we get an interception. It changes the dynamic of the game. It's what happened last week. I mean, you know, Josh Allen and company, they, they should have a blitz picked up. Somebody messes up. Boom, he gets sacked. They're kind of controlling the game early on, and there's a four-yard driver, a touchdown for the Dolphins. Strip sack, fumble, pick it up for a touchdown in week one against Mac Jones. So that's where I'm excited to see this, obviously because there's been pass protection issues, but the Dolphins are super aggressive, and they want to make a play on the defensive side of the ball. But at the same time, I think they're overly too aggressive, and that can be dangerous against this group here tonight because Jamar Chase has four rockets up his ass. It ain't that much farther behind than Tyree Kill. you you got to be scared about blitzing this crew and Boyd and Higgins, and we saw what they did last week in a few of those type of situations. So this is the matchup I'm very excited to see tonight, how the Bengals handle all this stuff the Dolphins throw at you. Yeah, there was the play that I think it was Burrow to Boyd on a blitz where a couple of Jets ran into each other, Keystone Cop style, and it went for a 56-yard catch and run for a touchdown. So Burrow thrives on the blitz, and he was only sacked twice last week. It's a big story when he's sacked eight, nine, ten times. When he's only sacked twice, it doesn't even get mentioned. But so, you know, look, because we don't see the starters in the preseason anymore, and we go through this every year, but we're so hyped up for football season to start, we kind of delude ourselves into not really thinking about it. September football is undermined by the fact that we don't see stars play in the preseason. It is. that's why the games are low scoring. A little sloppy. I really think they are. I agree with you, you Mike. Know, and, and, and this over-under bet that's more popular than ever now because gambling is legalized, I think we get disappointed when points aren't scored. People are inclined to bet the over. It's more fun to bet the over. Betting the under sucks. I picked the under last week in that Bears-Texans game. So did I. Our best bets. Sitting there and just wishing the clock would run out and no points get scored, that's antithetical to why you watch football, especially in this day and age. We're used to scoring points. Not that we want it to be like arena league football. Yeah. Probably the arena league isn't even around anymore. But we don't want it to be a basketball game. But we don't want it to be 13 to 10 either. 
and it takes time to get everything clicking. It took time for the Bengals, and now it's clicking. And that's why I think the Bengals are dangerous tonight. I think the Bengals win this game. And you know what? Here's the other thing, too. Yeah. This is yeah. my favorite wrinkle of this game. Yeah, it has nothing it. to do with the game. Right. 52 weeks to the day since another Florida team came to Cincinnati for a Thursday night game. Oh, I right. I highly recommend that yeah. Mike McDaniel get on the plane back to Florida <laughs> You're after funny. this game. I'm not aware of any reason he has to stay in Ohio, which is good. Mike, don't stick around in Ohio. Get back on the plane. Go to Miami. Hashtag grinding. Come on. Get back and grind in the office. They should, you should do Mike McDaniel. <laughs> uh, no, that was well, amazing. I forgot about that element. You know, you had that. It was 52, I, I, I looked it up. Yeah. It was 52 weeks ago. It's tonight. amazing. It's amazing. And then let's not forget, too, the uh, – you know, the, the the Bengals wearing the all-white tonight with the white helmets. Oh, yes. That's going to be Speaking definitely a little extra energy for that football team. I do. Mike, this is where I pose to you. Like, this is one of the things. I Do you think the Dolphins – Dolphins last week, extremely aggressive early on in the football game. And we saw the Bills just kind of march up and down the field and have answers for it, and Allen and them were tearing them up. Third and fourth quarter – they changed it up a little bit, and they you know, showed sometimes it was going to be a lot of pressure, but dropped out and did that and played a little bit of a different style where they went, okay, you know, we'll tactically blitz a little you know, every now and then. But for the most part, they kind of got out and said, okay, we've had enough of Allen to Diggs and whoever else for big plays here. And what, do, what do you think? What's the, you know, the pasta and meatball gut tell you there that Miami's approach will be tonight? You think they'll play it safe, or do you think they'll – you know, just continue to do what they've kind of done here and have done lately and just, you know, roll the dice, be aggressive, and hope their defense makes some plays. I think they'll roll the dice. They'll be aggressive. They'll try to slip guys through a leaky offensive line and try to get to Joe Burrow and rattle him a little bit. Yeah. I think they will. Yeah. I think if you sit back, Joe Burrow's going to pick you apart. they got too many weapons. I, I guess so. Many, you know, I, I, between Chase and Higgins and Boyd, I know it's it's too many it's too many guys to deal with if you give Joe Burrow time. I know I mean, Joe Burrow's dangerous against the blitz. I think he's more dangerous if you let him sit back there and, and engage in target practice. Yeah, well, I I mean I, I don't disagree with anything you say. The only thing I'll throw out there just for food for thought here in this conversation is I think Miami has a front forward that can get there, right? Like I, I don't I don't know if they have to blitz. That's the one thing if I had to talk to the Dolphins coaches or whatever, just go, hey, I like some of this stuff, but I think you're overdoing it. Like, your front four is kind of freaking good. You know, you, you, you got Melvin Ingram and Jalen Phillips, who are good pass rushers. Christian Wilkins is a star in the middle. You know, Siler. And then they got guys like Emmanuel Ogba and some other guys that come off the bench and are disrupt. Trey Flowers is there. So they're disruptive that way. That's where, you know, I, I just wonder. Because, you know, as much as they want to be aggressive and trust Xavier Howard, you know, I don't trust anybody man-to-man bump to bump in your face against Jamar Chase. We've seen no one be successful with that that formula yet. Nobody. So that's where I'm just interested. And and I hear your point. I mean, it's very real too. I don't. I, that's where I just think as part of the chess match, I'm very excited to see that approach tonight uh, from the Dolphins' defense and what they decide to do. Do you think there's a temptation for defense coordinator Josh Boyer? to continue to build this mystique of the defense where all the guys are up the line of scrimmage and we don't know who's coming. We don't, look, that's the way you get noticed. That's the way you get talked about. That's the way you get on the list of guys who get interviewed to become head coaches. And we know every assistant coach 
who already is a coordinator wants to be a head coach. Nobody settles for being coordinator. They all think they can run the team. They all want to be the guy who runs the team. I just wonder how much of that creeps into the thinking. We know it does offensively. Remember when Hugh Jackson was with the Bengals and he was on the brink of becoming a head coach again, and he started using all these funky formations, and it was like, oh, there's Hugh trying to get – people to pay attention to him right. and say what a great offensive mind he is so he becomes a head coach again remember they would do the thing where they like put offensive yeah. linemen split out really right. wide like just their weird, thing for a little while stuff. right right and we've seen other offensive coordinators do it where it's like this guy's not trying to win this football game this guy's trying to audition for his next gig and i can't help but wonder chris it's a prime time game for the dolphins i hear you and what happened when we saw him on Thursday night last year against the Ravens? That was when they came out there with that whole and you know and bedeviled and confused and confounded the right. Ravens and who's blitzing, who's coming, who's dropping into coverage. So even if they're good enough, like the Bills are, to bring pressure with your front four and drop everybody into coverage and try to flood the lanes and cover the receivers, maybe there's a temptation by Josh Boyer to to cut it loose. So tomorrow. When you're asleep and Peter King and I are talking about what happened tonight, we're saying, wow, Josh Boyer's a genius. They need to interview him to be a head coach somewhere next year. Well, I, I do think, listen, he's a guy that you should be on the radar. Uh, you know, personally speaking. There's always too many guys. There's there too is. many blips on the radar. That's a problem. Yeah, you're right. They're looking for ways to, to get to the center. Yeah, I hear you. You're, you're, you're exactly right. Well, th- th- this is this is where you know I feel like he's got to balance this. Josh Boyer and, and the Dolphins got to balance it a little bit. You know, they, they've gotten away with it to this point, but will it continue? I mean, the other thing that, you know, gets lost in translation, we talk about how aggressive, they're the second worst defense in football right now in yards per game. So, and, and you know, as far as points scored, they're in the middle of the road. I just worry about, like, how long can you keep that up? How long can that go that way? You know, and, 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 and again, you take those chances and try to be in the center of the radar like you're talking about. Well, you take too many of those chances in a game like this tonight, you could be sitting there going, damn, it's 40-17 to 17 Bengals. Uh-oh, right? And then everybody goes, well, uh, cross him off the radar list. So that's where it's they got to find the balance there a little bit, in my opinion. Um, you know, like I said, it, it's worked out. They put pressure on you on both sides of the ball because of their weapons and their scheme is cool and all of that. But I guess it's just, you know, there's there's parts of me, like I said earlier, just like about the offense. You know, I'm just – I know they're good. I know the roster's talented. You know, the coaching staff does some good things. I'm just – I guess I'm just saying I'm not sure how good yet. I'm still kind of in the process of trying to figure that out a little bit, I guess. And tonight it will be another, you know, notch of, of more info that we can, can put this together. Well, we'll have the full breakdown tomorrow morning while Chris is sound asleep you know after it. watching the game tonight, <sighs> Peter King will be with me. We're actually live on Sky tomorrow for some reason. Damn. I'm done asking questions. I'm done trying to get to the bottom of it. I'm done saying anything about it other than what I just Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Said. All right. Uh, Hurricane Ian made landfall yesterday in Florida. We wish the best to everyone out there who's now got to clean up. Hopefully the loss of life was minimal. Hopefully people heeded the warnings and got out of there. 
I still don't know why we put reporters in the path of these storms. And I know that NBC does, too. But, you know, I, I've, I've been saying this for years. Like, I, I believe you. I believe the meteorologists when they say a storm's coming. I don't need someone standing there in a baseball helmet while there's this little element of voyeurism. The maybe there's going to be a tree that comes out of nowhere and wipes this guy out and I'm going to see it on live TV. I mean, I feel like that's the only reason every uh, network does it, Chris. Uh, Am I wrong? I don't know. You're right. I, Everybody it, does it. It is it's one not of just those NBC. Things. Everybody yeah. does it. No. Let's put them out there and let's see if they get hit by something. That's I, I, I mean, I believe you that it's a storm and I've seen a storm and I know there's people out there that are maybe too young to see, whoa, that's what it looks like in a hurricane. We don't really need to see a human being in the middle of all of that. And if I get in trouble for it, I don't care. I've held my tongue for like 10 years now. Every channel you turn on, there's somebody out there in the middle of it. Yeah. And when I, somebody yeah. gets killed, it's all going to stop. That's what's going to happen. It's going to continue. And then somebody's going to get killed, and then it's all going to stop. And let's just stop it before somebody gets killed. How about that? How about we agree? How about all the networks come together and have like a meeting of the five families and say, we no longer need to put human beings in harm's way for these hurricanes. It's asinine, and it's selfish. (laughs) And when somebody dies, it will stop. All right. You're great. You're great. I didn't think that was going to go that way. And like, you know, I didn't either. I know. And then you, you I got didn't either. legitimately heated about it, too. Like only you can but, legitimately get heated about that. You know, so, well, uh, am I wrong? No, Tell, you're spot not, the lie. You're not, you're not wrong. You're, it is. It is right. odd. Every channel he turned on last night. You're right. Somebody was sitting there with a raincoat on in the middle of the storm. And I'm like, I don't need this. You're right. I saw the big thing on the damn radar all week. We're good. We can talk about it. Put a camera somewhere where we can look at it every now and then. But be back in the studio. I hear you. But you're funny. You're funny. I, I, I assume I assume these people who are who are given this assignment, and I assume they crave the assignment. I assume they have families that are worried about them nonstop while they're standing out there in the middle of that shit. I mean, really. I, let's be real about it. And and one of the reasons I'm saltier than usual is I feel like you're there back? is oh okay <laughs> an entire like. Like not just one sword, like a whole army's worth of them in the bottom of my back. So today is not the day to get under my skin because it feels like something literally is under my skin, stabbing my spine. It is fire. Um, anyway, I, Jerry Seinfeld had this bit where like they, they would have graphics of guys in pain and there would be lightning. Like that's the pain. Like the pain is lightning. Yes, it is. Yes. It feels like there is lightning going straight into my back. So that is the right graphic to use when trying to depict what pain feels like. Good. Lightning would be appropriate. Good. All right. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers host the Chiefs on Sunday night football. We don't know whether or not the game is going to be played in Tampa. And in the aftermath of the storm, look, there's a bunch of factors that go into play here. How much damage was done? Would the resources that would be devoted to putting on a football game be better suited to be redirected to other areas of the state that may need it? you got police officers, emergency personnel. you got a lot of people who have to gather around a football stadium to make sure a football game gets played in a safe and secure manner. Is it selfish? Is it inappropriate? Is it improper for the Buccaneers to expect those resources to be devoted to their home game where they're going to make a ton of money because people want to come see Tommy play? And then the question is, are people even in a position to go to the game? I don't know. It's Sunday night. It's three nights away. People may accept and welcome the diversion at that point, but they still may not play the game in Tampa. So, Chris, it was confirmed yesterday by the league that if the game is moved, 
It's not going to New Orleans. It's not going to Kansas City. My wife asked me that question the other day. It's like, well, it's kind of a huge home field advantage for the Chiefs to go from a road game to a home game. Yeah. It would go to Minnesota. U.S. Bank Stadium, <laughs> where Tom Brady's mother is from. Whoa. But but astute Vikings fans yeah. who would presumably go to that game, they'd probably have some cut-rate discount deal, make a donation or whatever. They've done that in the past. Who are they going to root for? You go for? there and you boo the hell out of Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, if you if you understand how it works... You need the Buccaneers to lose because sure. at some point you may be matching records with the Buccaneers to see wild card berth or playoff position. Maybe both teams win their divisions. You're the two seed versus the three seed. Uh, and you've got you've got no reason to care whether or not the Chiefs win because they're in the other conference. So if you're a Vikings fan and you're paying attention, you've got every reason to go to that game and root for the Chiefs. Now, it's better than if it had been in New Orleans because all those Saints fans are going to come out Definitely and go after Tommy, yeah. which makes it not a home game for the Bucks. Right. So uh, the only truly neutral site – well, there is no truly neutral site if it's teams from different conferences because wherever you play, there's going to be a fan base that in a roundabout way benefits from one of those teams losing. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I just hope it doesn't come to that. I, I know. I mean, I, listen, I I hear all the concerns there, and you're right. you got to do what's best for society here first over a football game. I totally understand that. Selfishly, damn, I don't want to see that. Damn, I don't. I did talk to somebody down in Tampa yesterday, and they felt, you know, they, they, they got lucky where they did not get the bad part of the storm. So that area seems to be somewhat okay. And I think it's going to be more than okay by the time Sunday night rolls around. But your point about, yeah, down in Naples, Florida, those areas, they got hit harder. There's major flooding. Yeah, there's definitely going to have to be personnel that's sent down there to help things out. Uh, so I don't know how that affects it. But, man, selfishly, I don't want to see that game somewhere else. Come on. This game has history and history at this stadium. I mean, gosh, it was just two years ago where the Chiefs went in there and just put on an absolute show in a regular season game. And then, damn, we get to the Super Bowl. The Bucks changed the game plan. They got things rolling at the end of the year. And they kind of dominated the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So I, I want to see that game today. And then it's Brady and Mahomes, and I want to see the Bucks fans there and, you know, being you know all into it and everything like that. So that's where I'm, I'm hopeful I am. But, I, I mean, your concerns are real. I understand that. But, damn, I, I, wanna, I really want to see it be in Tampa and, and feel that energy from that stadium. Yeah, I mean, hopefully things can be properly worked out. Hopefully the resources can be distributed in a way that it isn't, an unacceptable strain on the system to have the game played between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers in Tampa. And three days from now, I mean, look, Tampa did not get it the way that we thought they were going to get it. The storm wobbled late in the cycle, and it went south, so it wasn't as bad. I saw Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times tweet that it really wasn't as bad, nearly as bad in Tampa as they feared. Right. They avoided the brunt of it, so maybe they'll be ready to go on Sunday night, Chiefs at Bucks. Maria Taylor went to Kansas City to talk to Patrick Mahomes in advance of the game. Here's a little from the interview, specifically with Mahomes talking about how he's evolving his game. Do you ever think about the fact that you are playing a role in the evolution of the game? I, I, I think about it a little bit, but at the same time, I just try to go out there and compete. Um, I think 
that's what you see on the football field. If it's the sidearm throws or if it's the scrambling around and making stuff happen, it's that I'm trying to go out there and win. Um, it's not tr- I'm not trying to show off or do anything like that. It's just trying to be a competitor and win a football game. And uh, it's definitely you've seen more and more quarterbacks being able to do that. And I think it's more of, of the coaches and the, the people that put the quarterback in those positions. They want guys that want to go out there and compete at the end of the day. Okay, let me ask you this. You've got to keep it real. You're a high school coach, okay, and you're teaching a kid how to play quarterback. Do you show them the sidearm throws? Are you letting them, like, go out and do their thing? Like, how would you coach up a kid these days? So I always go back to the fundamentals first. So okay. you've got to learn the fundamentals. You've got to perfect those. And once they perfect the fundamentals, I, I tell them you can have some fun and try some stuff out. But they got to know if they try some stuff out and it's bad, I'm, I'm going to get on them and they're not going to be able to do it again. So that's, that's how I was taught with uh, Coach Reed, uh, Coach Bienemy, and then with Coach Kingsbury in college, and then Coach Cook, my high school football coaches. As long as it worked, they were fine with it. But if it didn't work, I wouldn't allow to do it again. Okay, so it clearly has been working because no one's told you to stop. <laughs> yeah, there, there's been a couple instances where I throw it and you kind of see me. I'm like, ah, that was too much. That was a little too much. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit more about improvisation because you're so great at it. What are you looking at or to, reading, reacting? Like, what's going on in Patrick Mahomes' mind when you're coming up with some of those plays that we have never seen put on film before? Well, Coach Reed does a good job of letting us kind of have that creativity. Um, we, we, we draw up these plays, and then we'll actually go out there and practice them on the side. When special teams are going, you'll see Travis come up with ideas. You'll see uh, Coach Nagy. You'll see Coach Bienemy. You'll see all of us kind of work together to kind of come up with these shovel passes or these fake quarterback motions and all this different type of stuff because we want to keep taking the game to the next level. I mean, defenses are good in this league. Uh, a lot of great defenses, and you don't want to just be stagnant and be satisfied with where you're at. You want to keep evolving, and that's something that we really take pride in. I'll say this, because Patrick Mahomes gets a ton of credit for the way he has changed the game, and he has. But other guys have done it too. There's just something about the way that Patrick Mahomes does it that has an element of showmanship. Not that he's doing it on purpose. There's just something about his way that when he does it, it screams out. It's more noticeable. And I don't know how to articulate it, Chris, but like Matthew Stafford has been making sidearm throws his whole career, right? Yeah. But And maybe it's because the Lions sucked the entire time he was there and nobody cared, nobody was paying attention. But there's a flair. There's that quality with Patrick Mahomes. And I've said it before. It's one of the differences between him and Russell Wilson. Back when Russell Wilson was truly as mobile as Patrick Mahomes, because I don't think Russell is anymore for a variety of reasons. Right. But with Russell, it happened too fast to appreciate. It was like a cobra strike. With Patrick Mahomes, he's got it's that hair-on-fire quality where he's moving around, and it's like it's just always on the verge of falling apart, and then there's this whoop right there. that It's just something about the way that his body moves in relation to everyone yeah, else right. that makes it more noticeable. This is insane right here. It makes right it more entertaining, here. and it insane. makes it more memorable. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I mean, the, the, that, that throw right there, I mean, just let's, let's just watch it one more time. This is this is because... It's Mike, you're right. A lot of quarterbacks can kind of do it. I don't know if they can quite do it from some of the angles he does it from. And then to be spot on, you know, just dead on accurate all the time when he does it, I think that's what does it a little bit. And you're right. There's been other quarterbacks that have done this stuff. You know, I really think Brett Favre kind of started to make it cool. And then then Aaron Rodgers came in and he was doing sidearm stuff. And I think slowly guys like Patrick Mahomes are growing up and they, they start, boom, well, let me start doing this. But there's something about the flexibility of his arm. He's Gumby and how he can do it. 
and he can do it better than anybody I've ever seen. You know, everybody, hey, we've seen a lot of people in the NBA shoot a fadeaway jump shot. They don't look like MJ. I can tell you that. Oh, it's a fadeaway shot. It ain't MJ's fadeaway shot. I don't know why. It just don't look as cool or as good or as on the money. And that's, that's a little bit with Mahomes, I think, to what you're explaining there. He's special. He is an artiste. He really is. And uh, he's so fun to watch because of that element you're talking about. And I'm, I'm excited to see this this week, you know, this game. There's a lot of things to talk about in this matchup. I know we're not going to get to them right now. But, yeah, he's got to have a bad taste in his mouth after that Super Bowl and what Todd Bowles did to him. And uh, this is going to be a challenge because that Bucks defense is still really damn good. First of all, I got two points to make, and then yeah. we have to take a break. Right. One, you mentioned Brett Favre. Kids, never emulate Brett Favre in any way, ever, for anything. Ever. Forget about Brett Favre. I was just talking about throwing a football. I know. Okay. I know. I know. I know. (laughs) We don't have time to get into the whole Brett Favre thing, and it's hard during football season, but it's out there. People act like it's not being covered. It's being covered. We got 25 stories on it at PFT. Don't emulate Brett Favre. Don't be like Brett Favre in any respect, whether it's 2022 Brett Favre, 2010 Brett Favre, if you know what I mean, or most instances of Brett Favre being Brett Favre. The one thing that we haven't mentioned, and we've kind of forgotten about it, the baseball influence and all of this. That's why he makes those throws. I remember him telling me this early in his career, maybe 2018, that he can make all those throws from any angle of his arm because when you play shortstop, you have no luxury of time to set up and get your feet right and crank your arm back and throw it the right way, point your shoulder toward, I still remember your little tip, point your shoulder toward where you're throwing, and throw it. No, you don't have time to do any of that. It's get the ball and get rid of it. And so he developed the ability to be ridiculously accurate and to put a lot of juice behind a football from the shortstop reality of, Ball's in the glove, ball's out of the glove, ball's out of my hand, and it doesn't matter where my body is, it doesn't matter where my arm is. And he, so he developed that yeah. uncanny skill of being accurate and having a powerful ball that he can throw wherever that arm may be, and the fundamentals don't matter. I, I agreed, agreed. You know, and like, he, like he talked about there with Maria, he's got a lot of the basic fundamentals down, so now he can, he can do those type of things. But I, I, I totally agree with you. The baseball element there, and then, you know, you, you get Josh Allen. I think it's the same type of thing. It's not – it doesn't look like Mahomes, but there is that element. They have, you know, something in, in quarterback world we call sometimes just a great hand. You know, the, the body doesn't have to be in these great positions all the time or the perfect position because they just have a hand to flick it or sidearm it or like you're talking about, that shortstop type throw. And Mahomes is, is – he's as good as I've ever seen in my life with it. It is amazing to think the velocity that can be generated with the flick of a wrist. But Mahomes can do it. Allen can do it. It is a rare skill, and it needs to be appreciated. And it's hard to emulate it. I mean, how do you practice that? Are there kids? And there probably are kids doing those drills now, right? They are. Where they're just they're practicing throwing it from every angle, and they're practicing just you know standing there flat-footed and mustering everything from the wrist not even the elbow oh. or the shoulder, just the wrist. It's a, it's, a, it's a fight every time I have a catch with my son. I, I mean, it went from Odell Beckham Jr. one-hand catches to now, you know, 
I, I, I have to say exactly what Patrick Mahomes says. Like, hey, Patrick Mahomes became a machine first, and then he started doing this. But, I mean, my son will have a catch in the backyard. He'll throw five throws and throw number six. He's holding the ball like Mahomes down here, and he starts running around, and he wants to do Mahomes stuff. And I just go, oh, my gosh, damn. All right, all right. Hey, that was cool, cool, cool. All right, come on. Hey, get your shoulder back in there. Get the, get the ball back up a little bit. So it's, uh, it's infectious. People love Mahomes. How can you not love Patrick Mahomes? Just the way he is, the way he handles himself. You know, he's got a, you know, a lovable smile. And then the way he plays football game, football, is just, it's, it's with joy. It's just awesome to watch. And he's, he's one of my favorites ever to watch. There's no doubt about that. Best thing I can say about him is he's never changed right. at any point during right. his career. No matter how big of a star he is, he's never changed. And we've seen other guys change. He's never changed, Yeah, uh, which is good, which is a testament to him, his family, his upbringing, his character, everything, that he's the same kid that he always was and he always will be. And, and none of this success and none of the fame and none of the money has caused him to be any different than he ever was. All right, let's take a break. Some important injury updates with week four upon us. We'll talk about that when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 